Welcome to Getting Cozy with Erin Hill. Now here's our mama. Hey y'all, welcome back to Getting Cozy with Erin Hill. I am so excited today because I have an amazing comedian and YouTuber here. Dave Neal is joining me. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh, I got an applause break. Very nice. It's good to be here. I'm very excited to chat with you today. Absolutely. And it's a funny story about the applause. So I had Ben Higgins on two years ago and I didn't applaud him. And he was like, what? No applause. And I'm like, oh shit. Okay. I better applaud people now. So from that moment on, I've been applauding people. You know, I've got, I don't know if this goes through to you, but I don't get applauses either on my live stream. So I just have this women cheering sound. Can you hear that? (laughs) That's right. I just like to play applauses when I feel like I've bombed on a joke. I wish I could do that on stage. When a joke doesn't hit, I just hit a button and the audience laughs. Right, right. So it's not like uh, crickets, right? I love that. I get crickets once in a while. I need to get that. I need to get that. Well, Dave, I'm so happy that you're here with me. We have a mutual friend, Justin Cole Adams. And I think you've recorded with him a few times. And I was like, I got to get Dave on my show. He is hilarious. You always know what's going on in Bachelor Nation. So super excited to get cozy with you. But first, let's talk about how you got into this business. Where did you grow up? Were you always wanting to be a, you know, a comedian? Tell us all that. Born and raised Rhode Island, football, got into business, business school, University of Rhode Island, quick job in the corporate world, fired immediately five, <gasps> six months in. Yeah, it was enough to realize that's not what I wanted to do. It was enough. I always fear, I go, what if I had a job that was so good I didn't get fired and then I never <laughs> got a better job? Luckily, this job in advertising, I was so not made out for it. But through that, got into film because they were, you know, through the ad agency, they filmed different things. And it was enough for, for me to pick my interest and get into film, which got me into film and TV, SAG, then improv, then stand up, then, you know, my worldwide uh, bachelor recap empire. Yes. Now I'm so curious. What was your corporate job? I worked in um, account management for, and this is 15 plus years ago for an ad agency. And my, my client was McDonald's and it was actually seen as one of the best sort of clients and gigs you could get in new England at a really good ad agency. I just wasn't good at it. I wasn't meant to do that. That's all. And that's okay. That's okay. I count back to how many jobs I had before, you know, doing this and I would say like 16. I mean, you just, you have to find your, your groove, you know, you got to find your niche and where you belong. So, and I, and I, I kind of operate in this like late stage capitalistic world where I go, the good thing about a stand-up comic is you need to get fired from every comedy club that employs you. You need to get fired from every, (laughs) you can't just rely on one boss that, that fires you. So the idea of like having control and ownership over my life is very important to me. And I get that now. I don't have a boss. I am on a Saturday to make content, but it's because I want to. It's not because someone's telling me to, you know? Right, right. That's that's such a beauty in that freedom, isn't it? I love that so much. Yeah. So when you were little or younger, were you kind of the class clown? You know, stand-up comics come in all variations, but I would say I'm the saying stuff under my breath and the person next to me finds it funny <laughs> versus I remember in high school, the, you know, you'd be in the football huddle, you knew you'd be, you know, it's a real rough sport, obviously it's a pretty violent sport and you, you get by with a lot of laughter and making fun of things when you're practicing four hours a day. And I remember my, the high school running back, I said something, he goes, Dave, you're really funny. And he was surprised because it was, it was so under the breath. And that's kind of where I've always, I feel like lived with it with, um, cause I was always a quiet kid. And um, stand-up comedy is not about being the loudest person in the room. 
you know, right. unless you're like a Robin Williams type who like needs to command, but that's really more like an improviser, like improvisers. I always roll my eyes. Cause it's like, everyone's loud and playing bits and stuff. Whereas the stand-up comics, like, look at those stupid shoes you're wearing. You know, it's, it's very much not <laughs> always the loudest, funniest. Per- I mean, that's people go, Oh, I always expect you to be funnier in real life, real life. Funny. No, I'm stressed out about something like everyone else. Right. You know? Right, exactly. Well, and I think that comedians make things relatable, and that's why you know it's funny, right? Because what do they say? It's funny because it's true. It's yeah, it's so true. Oh, I'm getting into these weird domestic. I'm making fun of my memory foam mattress and weighted blankets. I mean, yes, just... we have to talk about that. I saw that and I died because I'm a sleep coach. Oh, really? Yes, and so I always tell people you need a weighted blanket. But let me explain why. You don't want a weighted blanket that weighs as much as your next girlfriend or boyfriend. You only want one that's 10% of your body weight. And so people are getting these weighted blankets, like you said, you know. <laughs> like, oh, this is so funny. I'm going to have to incorporate this into my act then because I was doing crowd work and be like, do you have a 30 pound or a 50 pound? And I'm kind of making it up. I doubt there's an actual 50 pound weighted blanket, but someone's <laughs> like, I got a 50 pound. I'm like, well, your mom didn't hug you enough. I mean, it seems like right. our whole generation is just trying to make up for parents being like, oh, let them cry themselves to sleep. And now I need to go sleep underneath a lead, like a lead blanket here. Right. Well, and it's funny because I feel like people are having less sex now because that blanket is just like a fortress. I mean, you cannot penetrate through. Like my husband knows if that weighted blanket's on, there's no chance. There's no chance. (laughs) You're locked in. You're done. You're locked in. Right, right, right. Hey, I hear you. I was saying this about memory foam mattresses. It's like having sex on quicksand. Like, what are we doing? You know, like you're better off with some spring mattress you found on the street but you know hey but i get a good night's <laughs> sleep that's what's important you might have woken up your entire street you know with the, with the creaking or the squeaking but <laughs> hey why not but no the, the weighted blankets honestly if you get your correct weight they are life-changing i mean they take that edge of anxiety off like nothing else can interesting yeah highly highly recommend so there was a new company that i saw puts together like a gift guide for the for the christmas season and it was like um it was like a threaded weighted blanket so it what so it was still breathable but it was almost like a chain link but made out of like whatever whatever heavy material it was and i was okay. like oh now now we're getting to some fashionable uh weighted blanket <laughs> we're gonna have weighted snuggies we're just gonna just swaddle each other up with velcro and just go to bed every night yeah pretty much like the like vampires the, or <laughs> yeah but when you're like a straight jacket right yeah oh yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> weighted straight jacket oh my god i can't well now they have cooling weighted blankets which i appreciate because a lot of people at first they'll say no i sleep hot i can't have that on top of me well this is a cooling weighted blanket so you know they're, they're it's so they're it's so funny out there my fiance and i couldn't be more different she you know she'll sleep with like a heat pad if she needs some you know she's like should we get an electric blanket and i'm like electric blanket I sleep above the covers in the winter. Like I cannot, I don't know if it's the caffeine or just constantly yapping, but my body runs so hot and like, she'll have like ice fingers. And I'm like, what are you an alien? What is wrong? You know, we're just like complete opposites. Like, uh, you know, metabolism wise, I guess. I'm, I'm just like her. I'll sleep with my socks on, you know, electric blanket, just, hello, getting cozy with Aaron. I always want to be cozy and warm. Like I'm always cold. Yeah, there you go. Right. I totally get it. And my husband's the same way like you definitely on top of the blanket, which I get very upset about. So <laughs> I'll like I'll I'll compromise and get on underneath the sheet at least. But then, you know, of course, I'll sneak my little comforter later. Yeah. You should be like, you don't you don't. Why don't you love me? Love you. My knees are sweating. What do you mean? Love you. And then she'll take her like 
body and just like the, her ice body and just wrap around me and steal my heat. Right. And which is, it kind of cools me off a little bit, but I'm like, what's going exactly. on? Exactly. We, we are your furnaces, you know, yes. that, that's, he, he went uh, camping the other day with um, his buddies and he's like, man, I missed my furnace. And I was like, you know, you shouldn't complain because you were in like below freezing weather. And if you had had me there, you wouldn't have been, you know, frostbitten. I, I love I love to make vast generalizations. It pisses some people off, but I, you know, I feel like comedy relies on wide generalizations about things. And yes. uh, it's very hacked to be like, women be like this, men be like that. But women love when they can prove their guy wrong sure. whenever she likes to double check did you lock the door she likes to double check everything i do she'd be great in the tribe who like hears something from like a mile away that's her hypersensitive so we were watching a new show called yellowstone and she goes and i was like yeah well it's not new but it was new to us and she goes are you sure this is the first season i was like babe yes it's the first season <laughs> midway through and, and she's like i don't understand anything i'm like they're gonna tell us how it all goes like the end of the episode we found out uh, we were watching season three and like oh, I, no. I i won't i won't hear the end of it um, uh, you got me you got me best show on television i it's mean good. it's such a damn good show but start it from the beginning for sure yeah, we started <laughs> again from the beginning we're on like episode six and i got barbecue okay. food to go because like you know it's like cattle ranchers and there i am like eating barbecue with my flannel on oh, really getting God. into it you're really feeling part of it. Yeah, I love that. No, it's it's a great show. And, and I don't know how Kevin Costner is even more beautiful than he was, you know, 20 years ago. It's insane. Yeah. Although he kind of has like a Trump tan, like, because they want to make him, true. they've like darkened him up a little bit, but he's still a good looking guy. But I'm like, yeah, what's going on with Kevin? But yeah, That's real true. brutal, violent, sexy, gossip soap opera. I'm like, who would have thought I would have cared so much about uh, Yellowstone National Park? Right? I know. They did such a good job. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, as a dating coach, I have to ask, how did you meet your fiance? You know, we met a miniseries called Mildred Pierce, Kate Winslet. We were doing yes! doing background work. We just met on that day, didn't really stay in touch. You know, she was kind of in a grumpy mood. It was a hot, humid day. We're in like period <laughs> 1920s costumes, chit-chatting her way, killing time. I moved to LA and she sees that and she's like, hey, we got to meet up. And then we become friends for a while. We were both like dating other people. And then, you know, several years passed as like casual friends. And then one day we were both single and we literally, the second we started dating, it was just like, we probably moved in a few months later and that was seven years ago got engaged right before the pandemic still inching towards the wedding made a lot of excuses and now we're kind of like all right let's just get a venue and make this happen oh i love that now had you dated a lot before you met her well dated i mean single in new york you date everyone's dating around yeah. i feel like the guy in your 20s in new york city I, I don't think any of the women i was dating wanted to settle down with me either as like a sort of an actor living in harlem i wasn't exactly like uh <laughs> their like security net they were looking for so right. i feel like i feel like people that i dated kind of knew it was just very yeah i don't even say casual but i only probably had one or two uh relationships that like really dug in you know and like tore me apart but when they tear you apart it's it's pretty brutal but Absolutely. you know you look back on it and you learn everything yeah you, you realize it was you know no regrets at all but it's like oh boy i need i needed to learn a lot about my own codependencies and my own neediness and you know i still unearth all that all the time exactly no it's so important to have those experiences so and that makes you appreciate the person that you're with even more right yeah and we work through a ton now like my fiance tasha she makes a bunch of appearances on my channel and she's got things she's unearthing from her parents whom i love and it's not the healthiest thing to like 
coach each other through therapy, but like we can recognize when the other person's like irrationally upset at a parent or whatever the yeah. case is. And, and we just like, you slowly unpack each other's BS and then you realize we still love each other. It's, I don't yeah. love you because you're perfect. I don't like right. that at all. Like last night she was barking at me and, and before I even said anything, she goes, I'm being really grumpy, aren't I? I was like, yeah, you kind of are. <laughs> you know, she goes, nice. all right. I was, like, I was like, but you got me. And like, I don't, it's not like I'm letting her walk all over me. I just understand it's not about me. So I've done a much better job of realizing not being defensive if she's like airing something out. Because I feel like, yeah. I don't know if it's a guy thing, but it's like, if like, for me, if she's got a criticism about something that hits me to my core, because like, I want things to be good. So I've right. had to learn to listen, but not like immediately react. And that's, that's hard because I'm like a fix it type of guy. Yeah, same. And you know, most I feel like most guys are I don't like to generalize either. But I do feel like most guys are, you know, you definitely want to. I just I love that she has like the emotional maturity to to like, point that out, you know, oh, I am being grumpy, you know, let me look at this and not blame it on something else or blame it on you or whatever. And one thing my therapist taught me a few years ago is it's so nice when you can like have space to let that person just feel the way they're going to feel and not try to fix it and not try to you know what I'm saying? Change their mood. Like I had to work on that because every time my husband would get mad, I would get mad. And he'd be like, can't I just be mad for a minute? Like, do yes. you have to be mad too? You know? So I had to learn that, but we've been married 10 years Oh, nice. and I'm telling you, yeah, thank you. That has been, um, just a learning, you know, learning curve for us, but that really was just a page turner. You know, it really just took our relationship to the next level when I was able to just be like, okay, you're mad. Cool. You can be mad. And you know, that, that's fine. I don't have to be mad too. I don't have to be mad at whatever you're mad at or whatever it is. That's your thing. You know, those are your feelings. It's hard to get mm -hmm. there because vicariously, you're so intertwined with your partner you that are. you feel their emotions. And right. uh, Tasha, she, she relates to being a highly sensitive person and sounds and things bother her that don't even, I wouldn't even think like, uh, you know, if there's a light flickering, I'm like, what I, I just, I zone right through it and, and it <laughs> things irritate her. So if I come home from stand up with like stand up energy, she's like, Whoa, she, you know, she just had a bath going the room, you know, she's listening to poetry or whatever. It's all quiet. And then I'm like, bye, you should have seen this. And I mean, I come in hot and I've had of to realize, course. all right, Let's enter back into the yoga studio known as 10 p.m. on a Tuesday. And <laughs> just, but like, I, so I got to water, I got to hose myself off sometimes because I can be a bit much. Yeah, but luckily with our new place, I can close my, like, because when I, my, when my channel first started to take off, we were in a studio apartment just, just earlier this year. Oh and I'd have to be like, recording Bachelor content after the show aired. Now I'm watching it on yeah. East Coast time. So I get, to it a little earlier, but now like she can be asleep on a normal schedule and I can be up like just railing against the man or whatever. And it doesn't right. you know affect her. So we, so by getting this new place, it has been amazing for our own space to, to, to tinker around, you know? I love that. I'm so happy that you have that. Cause it's just, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? It does. And we were just, it just felt like such a dead end place being in this studio we were in because it was rent controlled. You know, this is such LA problems, but rent so high that it's like, <laughs> how do you save to buy a home when you're spending all this money on rent? But also right. the studio is killing us because like you can barely fart on one corner of the room without, and it, and it, and it was broken up kind of like there was a, the kitchen was around the corner, but like to like January of this year, I'm leaning against a bookshelf. I'm in the kitchen. I mean, it was <laughs> like, I was making do, but as soon as we could find a place to get out of there, everything's exploded channel wise, career wise. We've just created more space to create and that's important.
where's your home? Where do you live? I'm in California. Oh, uh, I'm well, I'm in LA. So what, oh, it's an whenever... hour outside of San Francisco. Okay, I'll, I'll let you know if I'm ever up there for shows. I was going to plan, uh, I have a lot of people that wanted to do a Napa weekend. And I was oh, like, yes. so I think I might do a Napa show at like a, at like one of the brewery amphitheaters. You know, one That'd of the small amazing. ones, but you know, it's something that trying to rally the troops because we have a lot of audience yeah. up there too, but Oh yeah. my God, that would be so much fun. I'm like an hour drive. So I am there. Please, Great. please, please let me know. I'll let you know for sure. That. And I'm sure a bunch of bachelor people would come up because they love Napa. Any excuse to go to Napa. Well, right now we're just, we're just trying to find, we're trying to find where everyone lives. So when I go back to New York, there's an audience there's, and this That's is all crazy. new to me because like I had a show at some random town in Los outside of LA, some like show at a pizza shop and people show up and I'm like, this is incredible. This is, you know, walking down the street, someone's yelling my name. I went to in and out the other day. And again, this sounds so braggadocious, but you have to understand this never existed in my no. decade of doing stand up. And then in and out cashier goes, are you Dave Neal? And I had a mask on and I was like, yes awesome. <laughs> it was 1 a.m on a monday i was near the airport picking up a friend and i was like oh my gosh this is getting wild this is fun it's so fun i can identify i went to san diego to see blake horseman um dj oh nice and i was able to get in the vip and there was so many bachelor people in there and they knew who i was and i'm like how do you know me like that is that is wild to me. It is wild. Well, like what you do has more longevity than someone that was just on Bachelor in Paradise, you know, chugging margaritas and throwing <laughs> cakes in the fire. Like it's hard to stay relevant as a Bachelor person. I know from talking with Katie Thurston and she she wants to do what I do, like not necessarily yeah. content wise, but have a YouTube, have a have a way to generate your own income on your own time. And, you know, you can take the influencer route, but that's kind of got a short life time and you know right. what you do what you do what i do it's information plus entertainment and if you can yeah. keep people informed and entertained you'll you'll you might have a fan for for life or for a while there and it's just so fun i mean i've, I've become like a matchmaker in bachelor nation and that has just been a blast i mean just so much fun so yeah so you were there when blake was there it was when there was kind of a mini reunion um he's yeah. one of my favorites as far as a guy that him. overcame a lot of producer manipulation and yeah. he was super hated. I mean, I got in a fight with my fiance over it because she was taking Kaylin's side on bachelor in paradise. And I was like, oh, the guy, gosh. the guy was, he, they, they me too'd him off of misinformation. Like this is, this right. is very dangerous to be doing and it's yeah. dangerous for all victims out there. And then over time, people slowly ended up taking Blake's side over things and I'm not to trying to discredit Caitlin, but like he had to show text messages to be like, she came to my place against my consent right. and I'm the bad person here. If anyone right. remembers the story, right. he, he had to like sh drop the nuclear codes. And I was like, bro, you shouldn't have done that. And he's like, <laughs> I had no choice. Right. You know, yeah, people are exactly. saying, do it, don't do it. And he just, yeah, he just went for it. Yeah. I mean, in the end he was being manipulated and I think people get that now because he's got a giant fan base in Bachelor Nation. He's, a, he's one of the smartest people in Bachelor Nation because he's actually got a skill as a DJ, whether it's yeah. the most groundbreaking DJ work or not, it doesn't matter. He can That's play great. some music and bring the Bachelor crowd together. And someone yeah. like, you know, you know, Noah doesn't do that. Noah's great, but Noah doesn't have a thing that, you know, I think Blake, Caitlin Bristow, there's only a few people that have that thing that can yeah. sell tickets. That's not just, you know, an influencer sponsorship. That's way more powerful. I think. I agree. I mean, I've seen, I've met Blake several times now. I consider him a friend and Caitlin, I saw in her live podcast, she was awesome. 
so good, so engaging, you know? I mean, they just, they have presence. They really have presence when you meet them. Some people don't have any presence. I won't name any names, but yeah, definitely feel like they're the ones that, you know, there are ones that stick out for sure. But you brought up Katie. I have to ask you, what are you thinking about this whole 12 days of messy that's going on right now? I know you're aware, right? That she's, you know, about I like that, right? the, I like the Russell Crowe in gladiator moment where it's like, he kills everyone and he goes, are you not entertained? <laughs> and I think Katie's like, you're going to hate me if you hate me. You're going to love me if you love me. Um, she's friends with most of these guys anyway. And by the way, not to tease it, but she told me, she says, wait for day 12. That's oh. what she told me. She said, wait. Oh I'm like, my ah. God. Um, so I think she's unapologetically her. And I think that's the most, that, that's the best. I think that's the most sustainable thing she can do is build her fans. I always say crack an egg to make an omelet. It seems to be, you know, obviously she's got critiqued for how she dealt with Thomas and Greg, the Greg situation. And, you know, I mean, she's watching these relationships are playing out in real life. I mean, you know, who knows how you would react. It's I, I, I've always criticized all of the um, pageant queens that are on the show for not ever giving any substance. Then we get right. Katie who tells you okay. how she feels. It's so messy. Yeah. Life's messy, right? Life's messy. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I felt like day one was a little savage. I mean, I'm a big fan of Blake and I love his mom. So I kind of was team Blake on that one. I just felt like it was, uh, it was, it was a little, a little hurtful. I don't know. What did you think yeah. about that one? I hear that. that She says she still texts with Blake. He wished her well when she got her first influencer job. He said she did a good job. I, you know, um, I think, I think, I think it's tongue in cheek, uh, but it's for sure. It's for sure. Content making my video I made yesterday. It's been a slow week. And my, my Katie Thurston video was like through the roof. People wanted to hear what she said on her, on her like two hour live stream. It's, it's kind of be tough. I mean, they're flying blind right in the, in, on the show there. They don't know uh, who's there for the wrong reasons. All, I mean, she was clearly wrong about Thomas. Uh, he seems to be a good guy, but all she had to yeah. go was, this good looking guy's manipulating me because every other guy says so. It's like, right. What it's uh, these guys, you know, it's, it's wild. It, it's going to be very, it's, it's going to be so hard. To, I mean, talk about needing a weighted blanket after that show. I mean, <laughs> who do you trust? Right. Through with Blake and it doesn't work out. I mean, that would like, like when people talk about Claire, Oh, she had so many different chances. If you boil down all of the opportunities she had, that would be like one night out at the bar. You meet a guy, you think you like him. Oh, he's garbage. You meet another guy. Like they got to like test this in the real world, a season of bachelor in paradise or a season of this. It's like, you know, we don't, we forget all the trial and error that exists in our own lives. Exactly. Well, it's kind of like an evening of speed dating, right? It's like speed yes. dating. Very yeah, similar. I mean, they only get minutes hours with them before and i get the whole pageantry of it they end up engaged that's day one you get engaged now it's day one and someone like yeah. dale and claire i mean they tried i mean it was messy but they broke up got back together i mean i i personally would rather break up get back together and break up with someone than break up with someone and be like oh i don't know maybe it would have worked no they tried right. and you know it's not meant to be or whatever but yeah yeah. Yeah. So it's it's messy. Uh, Katie could keep her mouth shut, but that's not going to help her career. I don't think she's throwing Blake under the bus. If anything, it makes him look kind of good because he's over there just you know saving the pigeons and she's making these videos. <laughs>
But I'm sure, you know, she, I think today's her day with Andrew. I didn't see what the song was. Yes. Yes. So I just posted it on my feed and it was Run. Taylor okay. Swift's song Run. So I was confused kind of why she chose that song. I kind of want to listen to the entire song and maybe see if I can get more of a feel of why. But she did run back to him and, and the, the, um, the graphic she used was the card that he wrote to her. Okay. Right. So I think that's what she's kind of correlating it with. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think her and Andrew are on good terms. So Yeah, I, I can't imagine she's imagine. gonna have like the R V guy who she despised. You know, there are certain guys that <laughs> right. like you know, I mean, Greg Grippo's gonna be the big one. That'll be that I'm assuming that'll be the final knit one, but also they talked, they hashed it out. And, and all the I mean, I got a text from Greg Grippo last night. Um, seems like a cool guy. Seems like a good guy. Doesn't mean he didn't have issues. We all watched it on the show. My live stream, my channel, I'd say about 95% of the audience wanted his head. And then 5% were like, yeah, clearly there's a lot going on there. You know, they took hours of content and windled it down to 10 minutes. And he, he left Katie and he left her high and dry. But like, you know, he says he's getting therapy. He says all the right things. And you know, if, you, you don't know if you're ready for it until you put yourself in that position. And clearly he wasn't ready with Katie and that didn't right. work out. Well, I'm, I'm definitely part of the 95%, but I have a lot of reasons why that I'm not going to go into, but yeah, just, just know that there's, there's information out there for sure. That's. Yeah. I mean, a, and you can be a good one. guy. You could be a, like, he's running around town with his buddies. You can be a good guy and still be a horrible partner. Thank and, you. you know, yes. Hurt, hurt people, hurt people. It doesn't mean he yeah. won't, be a good partner. I mean, I've, I've, I've definitely been a guy that people probably d don't have great stories about in relationships. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. maybe of course, we all do whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. but so, but at the same time, it doesn't mean Katie's wrong by all means. She felt her feelings. I guess if anyone like any PR people would talk to Katie, she watched the playback on after the final rose. So she's angry again. She's like all those emotions. And then she tries to like slam him and he came at it feeling really sad and it's hard to slam a really sad person. Mm -hmm. So I think he won over some votes there and it's a, it's a tough scenario because they, yeah. they both seem like decent people in their own way. And maybe she's, even though she's a bachelorette, maybe she's not ready. I mean, we have to understand like, this is the first time a lot of people have like financial freedom. Uh, we make so many decisions in our life based off of financial problems or proximities to jobs and this and that. Finally, she's she's in the million club. She might have dipped below a million on Instagrammers on or followers on Instagram, but that essentially makes you uh, uh, the the new world's millionaire. I mean, she's got big potential, big earning potential, oh, yeah, and sure. that's a new dating world that comes with it. I mean, yeah. I, I know she didn't plan to move to San Diego to live by herself. Well, and I'll tell anybody that starts a new relationship, you throw distance in there, it just doesn't have a chance. It's the hardest thing to overcome. So I and was shocked by any means, you know. I feel bad for Blake because I'm watching him you know, he's in Kenya, right? He's trying to upload some yeah. videos. I can only imagine the bandwidth is not that great when you're on the like Serengeti or, you know, they're, <laughs> they're saying intense with, you know, pointing their guns at lions 
and there he is trying to upload his Instagram stories. And I'm sure Katie's like, hello, are you going to get back to me? There's a 15 hour time difference. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is ripe for communication problems. Right. Ripe. And right. then he looks like he's living his life while she's like waiting for him to get back. And I, again, I'm projecting a lot by all means, she's still living her life too. But you realize the weekend they broke up, she just performed stand up for the first time. Ill-advised. Don't do, don't do stand up in front of Whitney Cummings. Take my 10 year advice, but it <laughs> happened. She did it. I'm only saying that because if someone's like, I'm going to try to, you know, I don't know, be a hairdresser for the first time. And everyone's like, you didn't do a good job. It's like, well, what did you expect? I've never hairdressed before. Right. Like, people don't realize <laughs> comedy's meant to look cool and easy. It isn't. You know what I mean? Laughing's visceral. Laughing's something you're trying to pull out of an audience. Sometimes they're not ready to do. So, so she's going through those pressures, that stage fright, all of this, and then flying out to Canada the next day, the next morning, and overcoming whatever dopamine rise and crash that that exists within that. And that's just a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And I don't think they meant to break up, but they just realized, like, for all we know, he had so much fun on his Kenya trip that he's ready to book his next one. And she's like, oh, we're, we're still doing this? And it's like, this is the life. And even though people say, hey, you should have known, it's like, you don't know till you're there on the day to day how you're you going to react to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And now did you see her stand up? No, I just saw a clip. Um, I wasn't there. It was in Anaheim. She's got some funny TikTok content that can totally translate into stand up. If she continues to do it, welcome to the club. It could be a very profitable thing for her if she puts the time and energy and if she wants to, because right. there is a technical aspect to it all that takes time to learn. And that's just the same with anything you do. You don't I mean, only a very few people are virtuoso. The the Chappelle's and the, if you take the best comics that are out there, one's Chappelle, one's Bill Burr. Bill Burr took 20 years before anyone knew his name. Chappelle was famous as a teenager because he just had right. it. You just don't know. And she's got the, the and again, I would never want to judge someone's stand up. She's got the, the humor, self-deprecative. She's funny. She's a funny person, but stand up also, it's funniness plus time. It's, it's. It's a lot. <laughs> right, right. Well, and if you could do it to your phone, you know, that's a lot less pressure than a, an audience that you're trying to make laugh, right? Yeah. So that's but I look at it, it's like watching porn versus having sex, right? Like, <laughs> I get some joy out of live streaming, but you know, boy, you have a good set on stage. You are in the clouds. There is no greater right. high out there than owning a room and having fun and getting out there i mean that's that's really peak living hopefully she was hopefully she was able to feel a little bit of that high when she was out there yeah. but you know yeah. it's tough because you know most people get to work on their comedy in obscurity for years there she goes does her first set and the whole reddit thread is like oh katie sucks well what right. did you expect i mean i you know she, right. i'm sure she got some applause breaks and people are criticizing her material the hell did you expect yeah, it's oh, crazy. Um, well, I'm. I really want to know how did you first get into The Bachelor? Like, what what piqued your interest? What season? What person? How did you get in there? I'll tell you what. I'd have to do some research. It might have been, it might have been Caitlin Bristow season. Okay. Um, it was a while ago. I can't remember. I was at my fiance's family's house in Kentucky. It was something like January second. We were there for the holidays. Cold cold Kentucky weather. Tasha's there. What did you oh, get? Yes. She's, she's got cookies in the background. All right, there she Ooh. is. I, I, I gave up sugar for a month and she brings home cookies. This is, oh, this is how a relationship. Hi, Tasha. Erin uh, says hi. Uh, um, anyway, so I was like, all right, I'm going to start to recap the show. I take notes for the first few seasons. I took notes like by hand, actually uh, up until recently, it was all by hand. And then I went outside, put a lav mic, iPhone shot it. 
And I was used to getting like 10 views, 20 views on videos because nothing's searchable. It's very hard to get searchable content on YouTube. And then right. that video got maybe 150 views. Hey, good stuff. Like it got a lot of initial love on a much smaller level. You know, now if I get 100 views in a, in a minute, I'm like, oh, it's a bad, that's a bad minute. You know, like now it's like you try to get, wow. you know, you try to get four or 5,000 views an hour um, yeah. on the peak of some of the content, 10,000 views an hour. Um, but back then that was a big deal to get some of that affirmations. And my whole thing was, I'm not going to edit it. A lot of people were making recaps that I thought were very much like, you know, YouTube was very jump cutty back in the day. You would shoot a 20 minute video and chop, chop, chop. And I was like, I was kind of coming from the podcast in stand-up world where no, you ran you three pages of notes. It might've been a 15 minute video. And you start talking about some weird right. stuff and the irreverency of it all. And it grew and grew and grew. And then this past year, when I started talking about the bachelor content that was outside of the actual show, that's when the channel uh, really took off with Colton yeah. Underwood. Um, he, he, his story was so bizarre that I was the, I, I think I was the main person really, really railing on him. And from a guy's perspective, and of course we're talking about Colton put a tracking device on his ex's car. They settled out of court. I was surprised how many women commented surprised that I was taking a stance against it. And I was like, most, most men in the, in the high 99% feel the way I do. You just don't yeah. see when another guy's stalking his ex. You don't see when another guy's manipulating or gaslighting. That's always done behind the curtains. So it's hard right. to call that stuff out. But now we're, we're, we're reading the transcripts and it's like, holy hell. And the video that I made got YouTube's attention and it. That's still my highest performing video of all time. And that, that, was months that was um uh, just over a year ago and then we went from 2000 subs to 7000 in the fall which doesn't really tell the story of how many people are actually watching i looked at the impressions earlier this year alone youtube has given my channel over 150 million impressions so an eighth of a billion um, wow. which, which essentially an impression is them showing my channel to an audience member on YouTube. And then they decide if they want to click on it. So that turns into about 15 million views, which as a comic who performed yesterday in front of six people, a quarter, <laughs> an eighth of a billion percent, you, you know, companies can't buy that promotion. So it's been nothing but gratitude and trying yeah. to work with this newfound sort of, um, you know, content machine, but I've made it daily. So people can expect that every day there'll be content. And sometimes it's a hit story. Sometimes we're railing up with the hits and we're just jamming. But I, you know, I always say with the, the audience is 90% women. There's people out there that go, Oh, Dave, I listen every day when I breastfeed. Hey Dave, I listen when I do the dishes. They need two or three 15 minute long videos and I'm going to bring the fun or info. And some days it's wild. Like a Rachel Kirk Connell, that whole month or six weeks of their saga was wild. And sometimes yeah. like this week, there wasn't much to talk about. So we're just like, we're just like scraping and scraping the bottom of the barrel, which I always say is always the funniest stuff because it's the most like idiotic, you know, it's the most irreverent, <laughs> but right. you know, you balance when a story's like a serious story, you, it's serious. When it's fun, you have fun and you just try to walk that balance beam of, not being too inappropriate when the time isn't right for that. No, you, you do such a beautiful job of that for sure. And well, thank you. Now I shared your video about Michael a being the next bachelor. So let's talk a little bit about that. Has anything kind of developed since that video, as far as that, any sort of confirmation or well, cause now I'll, we're hearing it could be Blake or Michael a right. I'll save this. I'll give Michael a shout out when I was experiencing car battery theft 
in my vehicle here in Los Angeles. So my car battery was stolen for the fourth time. And wow. I talked about it on my channel. Not a big deal. It's part of living in a city. I take my car battery out now. It's It sounds absurd to people, but it's, it is what it is. And I can't prevent it. They, 10 a.m. in the morning, so when he yanks it, it's gone. Um, wait, wait, wait. What, what kind of car do you have? I have an old Toyota. They're primed to be stolen, these car batteries. An oh, old my God. So what is it called that they do? Because there's a name for it, right? Well, they they just pop into the hood. There's a way they know, like my car's a target because okay. it's been different neighborhoods. It's not even like okay. it's my neighborhood. They'll scout neighborhoods. They'll come and every six months. they'll st So I get a Venmo from Michael that says for your next car battery. And it was a private <laughs> Venmo. And I was like, I, I talked, I mean, maybe a message or two with this guy, but I was like, how kind, how kind of him. I get a message and I get a lot of these and I never have uh, broken a story because I don't really care. Reality Steve got the same message. I much prefer when he breaks a story, it puts all the pressure on him to be right. I've right. never claimed to be news. I'm news commentary. Whenever anyone's like, Dave, you have so many biases. Yeah, I'm a progressive guy. I rail against certain <laughs> things. And that's just my viewpoint. Uh, like I said, crack an egg to make an omelet. I'm not here to be fair. I'm not Tom Brokaw. I call it what I see it. So I don't care to break these stories. But no one had posted this story, and I was like, all right, I'll run with it. It's just somebody who claims to be in his inner circle. They provided enough information that made it seem like they believe it's Michael, and they weren't somebody that was looking for credit or trying to promote anything. So yeah. we went with it, and I think usually The Bachelor will let three people believe it's them, and then they'll like leak some information, and then if anything bad comes out, maybe they'll change their opinion. We know Back in the day, Kayla Quinn, I think her name was, she yeah. was filming her package to be the next Bachelorette. It went to JoJo. Yeah. So, but if it does become Michael, it will film in Ohio and Chicago, and it will require major production changes from current season. I think what they should do if it is Michael is do the first two weeks in the Bachelor Mansion. Now, as the lead, he could have his son at the Bachelor Mansion yeah. and have a assistant and have that all taken care of and yeah. filming the, the lead of the bachelor for sure is probably a more stressful job than a nine to five, but I think you can make it work for four weeks, five weeks, and then have potentially unlimited opportunities to provide for your kid. I used to rail against the, I'm trying to think of the name of the person, the, the blonde lady who had two kids um, on bachelor oh, in paradise. Yes. Um, Amanda Stanton really used to rail against her, you know, jokingly, oh. but like, Oh, you're going to have to get some babysitters here. Oh, you're sticking around for the week seven. You're racking up the babysitter bill. But in the end, it's a smart business move. Obviously you don't want to exploit your children and this and that, but you know, going on the show, she's built this equity in today's world. That's more than any other job would ever pay her. And you can't fault that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have an idea where his son could stay. That would be very close by to the bachelor mansion. And that would be the Weber household. I'm sure Barbara would love to have him <laughs> stay Very with them. Very close by. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun as a sideshow? Barbara um, just. They are incredibly hospitable. I stayed with them when I was really? in LA. Yes. They are Right incredible. over there. And my aunt lived in their same neighborhood because they live right next to Chris Harrison, right? It's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Westlake Village. Yes. Very nice. Barbara part makes of, uh... delicious traditional cuban meal i was mouth-watering delicious it was incredible so so good and we just had the best time i um hung out with her and and we went dress shopping because i was going to the la fashion show 
uh, for fashion week. And so she went and took me dress shopping. We had like a mother daughter moment. Like I just adore her. She's, she's how, incredible. how fun. Well, I guess so she's criticized for how she handled the, after the final rose where she sort of slammed Madison Pruitt. How do you feel that came off as a mother yourself? Oh, I think she was edited terribly and she, I know more information than I can share, but I will say that, yeah, it's all production. It really, she didn't even know she was going to be on camera kind of thing. You know, it was, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. And Maddie was nothing like how we think that she is either. So, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot at play there. I see my own mom when I see these moms and I go, my mom would come off like the war, like, you know, because mom, you're, you're so protective of your own, you know, Rachel Kirkconnell's mom reached out to me after everything was going viral with Rachel. And essentially Rachel was pressured to remain quiet until the, after the final rose, uh, where she would then address her whole scandal because bachelor tried to profit off of a race scandal. They created this wildfire that ends up getting Chris Harrison fired. Call it what you want. He was fired. He was paid to leave. And Rachel Kirkconnell's mom was in all these articles as being a moderator in a anti like Matt James Facebook group. So I get a, I get a message from her. It's Kim Kirkconnell. I get a message from her. She's going, I need to explain my story. This is ridiculous. She goes, I joined the group as a moderator and it wasn't an anti uh, Matt James group. It was a pro Rachel Kirkconnell group. She goes, I joined it so I could help them because they were overwhelmed, delete all of these negative comments that were coming in and they were getting flooded. And I go, oh my gosh, imagine a mom works full time at a bank or wherever she works, not with her phone all day, like all of Reddit. And then she's at night trying to help her daughter be less hated. Oh my gosh, how how horrible. I, I, I make a story about it. I, and my channel has grown because of empathy, because of being centered and understanding people are trying the best and Reddit goes to town. I wake up one day, there's Dave, there's Dave Neal, this problematic post about me. And I go, hold on a second. You'd write, this is a huge problem with the media, right? You'd, and, and this is coming from a progressive guy. They, they, they're considering me like they're using the Republican word on me. Like they're calling me a Nazi and in there and they go, you they'd rather believe a clickbait article than from the mouth of Rachel's own mother. And, and when you see that, my only advice to her mother, which she's taken has been, you gotta, you're going to have to put this all away and bury it and just live your life and not Google and search your DMS and all that. And, and that's what, that's exactly what they did and realized this internet hate. It doesn't exist in real life. Rachel's apologize. Probably the best apology of all of bachelor nation. Um, that that's come out of all of the different fires that have been out there and she's pledged to do better and she's educated herself and her and Matt James look to be in a very strong relationship. They look to be very, very strong. Exactly. They're together. That speaks volumes that they're still together after all of that. And now they've got, now they've got some knowledge about the challenges that they're going to face being from parts of the country that have a lot of deep seated issues, but doesn't, doesn't the whole country, right? You know, we know in California, everyone thinks, oh, it's so liberal. No, no, no. California is very diverse. It's one of the largest economies in the world. It's full of different mindsets and there's going to be some dark places all over our country. Rachel coming from one of them and pure ignorance of not knowing the significance of the Confederate flag to what dresses you're wearing to what events. I mean, it sounds like you're making an apology for people, but you're just calling the country what it is. And that is still in its infancy coming out of the 
wreckage of like real problematic people. I always talk about this. I'm from Newport, Rhode Island. My town was founded in the 1600s. You're trying to tell me my town doesn't have problems. You know, they had pirates and, and all the, and I mean, talk about all these things. And, and obviously, you know, the post civil war remnants exist everywhere. And it's just like, we need to be addressing these things. They're not taught in schools. It's, it's one issue after another, just, exp just talking about this made people look at me like I was some just anarchist, uh, you know, woke proud boy guy. And he'd go, no, 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 no. That's ridiculous. From talking to my audience. And I know from like, I have a voicemail line. I take phone calls. I, I, I hear from people, not just all over the country, but all over the world, people from Pakistan and all these other countries, you know, Zimbabwe, we have a fun listener there that calling in, telling me about their perspective of what's going on in our country and their perspective of all of, you know, we're able to triangulate all of these ignorances, all of the, uh, misconceptions and realize most people are trying their best it, aspects of the media are dividing us. The aspects of Facebook are dividing us. The algorithms have just lit us on fire. And yet everyone I talk to in person, when they're not stoked with all this division seems to be relatively decent people, you know? No, so what, so what is it? Are we all lying to each other on, uh, on their face or are we treating <laughs> social media in the internet? like subhuman, like, you know, they say corporations are, um, are psychopathic, right? Because they don't feel emotions. They'll fire you if it's not for the bottom dollar and right. social media is psychopathic. We send out hate without, I just posted a story. I'm going to upload it as soon as our conversation's over about Piper James getting fat shamed. She got fat shamed because she had a little bit of a belly normal the way the wow. sun hit her dress, people are asking if she's pregnant, telling her she's chunky, this and that. And, and oh, she God. talked about it not to slam them, but to be like, you can not like the way that they handle the season, but we're going to fat shame and tear each other down. And it just right. doesn't happen in real life. So why is, mm. you know, why is this happening on the internet? And how do we just sort of, I guess, ignore it or try to teach our own kids not to be that way? You'd be horrified to find out your kids were trolling someone online, you know? Oh, oh my absolutely. Gosh. And my kids get bullied. They're six and nine and they'll come home every day and, you know, the other day, my daughter had um, her her feet are going very, very fast for her age. So she has large shoes. You know, she has a big foot <laughs> and they were calling her clown shoes, you know. And so now she refuses to wear those shoes to school. And and they're, you know, they're just they're mean. I mean, kids are just mean. And I'm just trying to teach them, you know, kindness and just be nice. You know, it's not going to kill you. Just be nice to people. It'll get you so much further in life. And I'm not saying don't be who you are and don't have opinions and things like that. I mean, I say stuff that pisses people off all the time. If you don't want to follow me because of that, totally fine. You know, you there's the unfollow button, go ahead. But I still come from a place of kindness. And if you're going to write, you know, write horrible comments on my thread or my posts, they're getting deleted. You better believe they're getting deleted. Yeah, that's, I just how, people, I, that's how I roll. I put people's heads on spikes and I just make fun of them and I treat it like stand up. <laughs> if uh, someone heckles you that you've, they've given themselves permission to be ridiculed, correct your grammar. I'm going to say, Hey, learn how to spell idiot. Thank you. What do you, it's your. like, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Learn how to spell too. Um, That's the worst. Your you know? is the worst for me, but. And, it's like, <laughs> and I've gotten a few criticism this week where people go, Oh Dave, you're supposed to be preaching empathy and this and that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not Buddha over here. I'm going to, I'm going to burn things at the stake if they, if they want to light the fire, <laughs> we're, exactly. you know, we're going to make yeah. an example out of you and that's cracking an egg to make an omelet and people love it. They love it when we, 
you know, because yeah, because this week I had I showed two different comments, and I don't sh I don't show it to like be needy and be like praise me. I show it to like call out the 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 BS. One comment goes, Dave, you used to be more raw and uncut. Those were their words. And now you're not. Now you're soft. And the other comment was, Dave, you used to be so empathetic and now you're an asshole. And I go, which one is it, guys? Right. What what did I say that offended you for you to take these positions? Because you know, like I'll yeah. call out things in all directions. And some people are like pro whatever you're saying until the next thing they don't agree with. And I would prefer my audience to disagree with me at points and still understand that that what you're getting is not an echo chamber, but conversation. Authentic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I respect you so much. Cause I do feel like you're authentic and you don't, you know, you're going to say how you feel and it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks, but yeah. I, I love that. And I try to be that way myself. Thank you. And un unlike politicians who like have to, you know, uh, politicians are always afraid of flip-flopping because it's used against them. I say flip-flop. If you, if you learned that uh, you support paternity leave, then support paternity leave. Like why? So for me, I've been called out on things and I go, all right, I got to do some more research here. I see where you're coming from. And then I'll change my opinion or at least um, amend an opinion to be, to, to, to be more involved, but not because I'm being held at gunpoint, but because, all right, I could see how I came off that way. Let's uh, let's like, I, I remade a video. I made, I made a video that was making fun of Madison Pruitt and, and purity culture. Um, and I, I, I pissed a lot of people off, but that same day was the highest new subscriber rate I've had all year. So I pissed off a couple Christians, but I got a lot of people that loved what I was saying. I made another video the next day to clarify. I'm not railing against Christians. There's 240 right. million Christians. I'm railing against <laughs> the people that had their 12 year olds sign purity contracts and over sexualized children. I'm, I'm railing on all these aspects of our Christianity that other parts of the country and or I'm sorry, parts of the world, Europe go, Oh my gosh, what the hell are they doing there? And I go, I know it's wild. They're taking photo. They're taking prom photos with their fathers and having purity balls. It's insane. I don't know. I'm making fun of it. It's wild. Wow. This shouldn't exist. Wow. That's nuts. But, but I clumped them with all of, if I say all Christians are this way as a comic, I think my, I, I, I think people should understand what I'm saying. I'm not making fun of all Christians, but if people want to take everything I say, literally, then I need to be better at saying what I mean and not give people the fuel to assume what I mean, you know? Right. Right. No, for sure. Dustin and Peter, they're my boys. I love them dearly. They are living their best lives out there. I mean, I met Peter at the club when I was in New York and I about died. And all of Bachelor Nation, he was the one person that I was like, I have to meet this guy. And I was like, oh my God, I fangirled so hard. And I've met Ben Higgins, like I said, Blake, I've met Caitlin Bristow, I've met them all. I have never fangirled as hard as I did when I met Peter Weber. That's funny. Yeah, he's very- um, Huge fan. I think audiences are like, love him or, I wouldn't say hate him. There's no reason to hate him, but love him or like, eh. No. Right. They're either indifferent or he was cool yeah. because I made a video really making fun of him, but for no reason other than plain jokes like, oh, you, if you can't land a relationship, how are you going to land a plane? Like, you know, stuff like whatever. <gasps> and he sends me a message and he goes, <laughs> he goes, I got to tell you, you're really funny because you were really, really going in on me hard. And I loved it. And I was like, all right, cool, man. <laughs> I was like, all right. He, got a sense of humor. he said he'd come to a stand up show in New York. So I definitely uh, I definitely would love to chill with him. Oh, absolutely. And I want to come too. So you please, please, please make Napa happen. That would be incredible. I would yeah, love be a, that. Yeah, that'll be an event. I mean, that could turn into like a nice yearly, uh, yearly event. Definitely. 
Well, I've had so much fun chatting with you. I took up so much of your time. I really appreciate you um, being so uh, generous. No worries. I, I, we're, we're, next thing we're going to do today is go get our booster shot. Good for you. We're traveling next week and we got the vaccine pretty early. So I think we fall right into the zone for the booster, which is just the, I think it's the same shot we already got. It's just like a, you know, a jump kick for it. So I yeah. didn't have, I mean, I don't want to jinx myself. I had zero reactions to it last time, but if we get same. it today, maybe tomorrow. If we do feel anything, then we'll just get over it. But people, um, I'm going to be, whether I have reactions or not, I'm going to be making videos. So I'll let people know if I don't feel good. Did you get Pfizer or Moderna? Moderna. And you had no issues? Nope. Wow. That was the one that I heard people did have issues with. So you got really lucky. That's awesome. I um, I was taking um, some edibles at night and I was like, I don't know if I'm high or lightheaded. So, and I, was, I, was <laughs> I like, love it. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if it was me or the thing, but that was it. Yeah. Uh, my Edibles fiance kind of are, was a little rough, but I don't think she was too, too bad. Edibles are God's gift to parents, I have to say. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine. Oh, it must be so nice. Oh, my God. That's like a weighted blanket, right? It takes that little bit of edge off so you don't want to, like, kill your kids. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. What a good way to tie it up. The edibles is the right? parents' weighted blanket. That's it. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Well, I cannot wait to meet you in person, see you on stand-up. And uh, I, I can't wait for that day. So please yeah, keep me posted. Of course. Let everyone know where they can find you, follow you. Uh, best way on YouTube, just search Dave Neal and you'll get all my Bachelor content. I'll be doing Vlogmas, which is a Christmas-themed vlog every day in December, which is going to take right. up an incredible amount of time. So my vlog channel, Dave Neal Vlogs, will be super Christmas all season. And um, on Instagram, dneals, D-N-E-A-L-Z. Perfect. I'm going to be posting your reposting your videos. People love them. Keep them coming. I know you will. You have amazing content. I cannot thank you enough. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Getting oh, thanks. cozy with you. Yeah, I love and, chatting uh, with you'll you. You'll have to come back. You'll have we'll to come do. Back thank, for sure. Definitely. Thanks so much. We didn't much. even talk about Michelle's season, but we just had so much other stuff to talk about. So Next time. We'll have to, we'll have to come back <laughs> for sure. Thank you again for joining me so much, Dave. You guys go follow him. Go watch his YouTube. He's incredible content. Go see him live. Go support Dave. More Dave. Thank you so much for listening. You guys, please stay safe out there and always stay cozy. Till next time, bye.